Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. WGR. Uh, give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Gregg, and it's not Thurston. So there's only a couple more. Time to relax and rewind. Rick, the final Packer offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Howard Simon. No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's not it. One more. It's not Kramer. It is not Bill Curry. It is not Howard Simon. Um, Forrest Gregg. No, I said it's not Forrest, damn it. It's not Forrest Gregg. It is not Kramer. It it's is the not... best of WGR. This is the garbage you give me. Zach, who's the lineman? And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it was about Curry, David. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Yay! Yay! Do do we ever get an answer to that? I don't know who the lineman is. I have no idea. I wasn't watching 60s Packers football, but I usually don't know who the offensive linemen are on the good teams anyway. How many of the Chiefs offensive linemen could you name? How many of the from Chiefs? From this past Super Bowl Schwartz, champion. Fisher. Okay. Um, I'm, that might be those are my I, two don't big even, ones. I think I would have only had Fisher. <laughs> I mean... Is there a Jones? No, Chris Jones. Chris That's Jones a is a defensive tackle. lineman, yeah. I don't think I could do it. The only... The only team as of late... That's won a Super Bowl that I could name like multiple linemen for were probably the Eagles. Because they were getting a lot of credit for how good an offensive line they were. And we know Jason Peters and Kelsey. Yeah, and Lane Johnson. Sure. Maybe I only know his name because he gets suspended all the time. He was like um, the fourth pick in the draft, too. That helps things. Lane Johnson? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't I don't know how people are supposed to know offensive linemen from fifty years ago without looking it up. I don't know. 
Not here to talk about football, though. It's the nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney on trade deadline day. We're about four, five hours, actually, like four hours, yeah, past the uh, NHL trade deadline. So all the news is out. Like We even had some stuff trickling in even like an hour, hour and a half ago. Um, the last bit of news that I think we found out was that this Robin Leonard deal sending former Sabres netminder to Vegas from Chicago now involves the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are retaining some salary, which is crazy because they've been like up against the cap all year. So I don't know how they found room to do that. But they're retaining part of Leonard's salary and getting a fifth-round pick by inserting themselves into that trade. The Sabres made two trades. And I don't know your thought on this specific line of thinking, but I'm not thinking as much about the moves they made today as much as I'm thinking about the one move they did not make. To me, the story of today, for me, is that they Can I did, guess? Go, you go for it. I'm going to guess that you are upset the Sabres did not offer more for Vincent Trocek than the Carolina Hurricanes did. I, yes. Upset might be putting it lightly. It's it's dumbfounding to me that they were not able to pull that off. It's not like, When we were hearing the rumors leading into deadline day today about Trocek, it wasn't that Florida was shopping him. It was that, hey, they're taking calls and for, a, for the right price – they would move him. What that sounds like to me is someone's got to overpay to get this guy. And I'm sorry, that's not an overpayment. Like, I like Eric Halla, and I did an article on our website maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and I went move by move, made in the NHL since Ryan O'Reilly was traded to St. Louis, of moves that the Sabres could have made that would have improved their top six. Because, you know, a lot of the, the, the Darren Draggers and the national guys are like, oh, they're trying to make moves, right? They're trying to make moves. They're, they want to spin it as though nothing, there's nothing out there. And there's been, there have been several, t- dozen, a dozen moves plus out there that would have improved your top six since O'Reilly was traded. Eric Hollow was one of them this past summer. He got traded for a fifth and an AHL defenseman because Vegas needed cap space. And to be fair, the Sabres got in on that. They got Colin Miller for almost nothing. Was it a third-round pick, maybe? Third-round pick, yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. So they, they capitalized in their own way on Vegas being in desperate need, although Colin Miller hasn't been as good as I think we all hoped. But Hollow was out there. You could have had him. And he was the main piece that Carolina flipped around to trade for a legit, bona fide second-line center that they did not need nearly as bad as the Buffalo Sabres did. Sebastian Ajo is their number one center. That, that's that's great. He's an amazing player. He's an elite player. They're fine there. And Jor- I know Jordan Stahl is not like some superstar. He's not even really an all-star player anymore. Jordan Stahl's a hell of a lot better as a second-line center than anything the Sabres have to present this season. So here's Carolina, who off the ice I've been jealous of because they wear white at home, and they do lots of fun stuff within their in arena presentation. They, they're, they're having fun. They're representing, we're a bunch of jerks. We love when you call us that. They've made the playoffs recently. Right. They made it to the conference finals recently, so there's that. And they always make moves that I look at, I'm like, that's smart. Like That's smart. Like No one would see that coming. Like Justin Falk, trading him at like the exact right time, right before he's about to hit that decline when he wants a big contract extension. Like That's smart when you have all these other defensemen. Like they made a lot of they made yeah. a lot of moves like that. And I think they had a great day today. I thought they had the best day. Now they traded the most, but they got Trocheck, the second line center for Halla and some other pieces. Walmart, like they got some nice prospects, and then they follow it up with 
we're going to go get Sammy Vatnin too. And we're going to go get uh, Brady Shea, by the way, who I didn't see coming. I didn't think he was going to be available. Like a good young defenseman. They're going to add him too. And now Carolina's geared up, and I, I would not want to play them if I'm one of those top seeds in the playoffs. Like if I'm Boston, I might rather drop to the two seed right now and play Toronto than or, play Carolina. Or Buffalo. Or, or Buffalo, right? We, we can talk about that too, whether we're actually taking this seriously. That right there makes me think you might be taking it more seriously than I am. But that to me is the story of today. This is the biggest one. Of all the guys I listed out in that article I did a week and a half ago, of guys that they've missed an opportunity on, Taylor Hall's the best player, but that's a different type of move. The biggest missed opportunity I think happened this afternoon. Vincent Trocek was the guy they've needed for two years. And it wasn't all that expensive to get him. And I would love to know, love to be a fly on the wall and know, it had to be one of two things. Which one was it? Was it the Sabres did not have the willingness to go get Vincent Trocek? Or was it what I've been saying for maybe a week that could be the case for why there's been action all season? People just don't want the Sabres stuff. People just don't want Rasmus Ristolainen. They don't want Colin Miller. They maybe don't even want Brandon Montour. And maybe it comes down to that, and that's why they couldn't get Vincent Trocek. But Remember we, talk, we talked last week... I think it actually exactly one week ago right now we were talking about because they hadn't played the Senators yet coming off a three-game winning streak. We we're talking about what do we want the Sabres to be heading into this deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And what uh, kind of deadline we wanted to see. Our views were generally the same, a little bit different. And the one thing that I kind of wanted to see was them not just completely fire sale all of their pieces. You were more interested in that kind of thing because yep. you thought the market was hot and they could have gotten a good return. N- neither of those two things really happened today. But all that to say, we talked about Rasmus Ristolainen possibly being involved in a trade with the Vegas Golden Knights and whether or not we would trade Ristolainen straight up for Alex Tuck. I think... Ristolainen's trade value is so low right now that it it makes no sense to trade him. We, we've heard that defensemen are hard to move. We've heard this narrative that they're hard to move. And then you see Carolina go out and acquire two today. You see the Flames go out and acquire two today. You see all these teams, even before the deadline, before today, going, going back a week, we've seen a bunch of teams around the league acquiring a defenseman. And I think you're right. I think... Ristolainen is really not a commodity that people want. And Ristolainen has enough value to the Sabres where if you can't get a decent return for him, it makes no sense to trade him. I honestly think that's where the organization is at right now. They cannot find a trade partner that's willing to give the Sabres what Ristolainen, or at least what we think Ristolainen would be worth. You asked me if I thought Tuck straight up for Ristolainen, would I do it? And I said, hesitantly... I said yes, because I think the asking price for Ristolainen is a lot more than most Sabres fans, or maybe not the asking price. What they would get in a Ristolainen trade is a lot lower than what Sabres fans are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And I think Tuck would be about that middle six kind of guy that the Sabres need. And I think his price is just really, really high for what teams are willing to offer. I think it's got to be higher than like a, a Brady Shea. Brady Shea goes for a conditional first round pick today. Is is Jason Bottrell trading Rasmus Ristolainen for a first round pick? I don't think so. Like I think that's got to be on the table. Would Brady you? Sh- would no, you I, trade Ristolainen for a first round pick? I wouldn't, and I wouldn't criticize him for not doing that because when this conversation first came up in the summer, I said I don't need Ristolainen traded. 
I want to do it as my my vessel to get this top six player we've all been talking about. I don't want to trade him just to trade him. They did that with O'Reilly, and it blew up in their face. They traded him to trade him. So to me, that's like what maybe Carol or what uh, the Rangers did. That would be if they moved Ristolainen into Winnipeg for a first round pick and some prospects. I, I don't need that to happen. I don't. But what I would like to see happen is what you are, you might be right is just not on the table. I don't think you're getting Trocheck for Ristolainen straight up. Even maybe Ristolainen plus stuff. But I wonder if the GM does have to realize what he's got because the league now has told Jason Bottrell, assuming that this is all right, it could just be that his his asking price is just insane, and that's why like he wants two firsts or he wants you know Ryan Nugent Hopkins and something like it could be crazy, right? But I'm I'm gonna stick in the real world here and assume that that can't possibly be the case, that it's that he's holding them in that high of value. Even when he mentions them today. He mentioned that he talked about the core of the team. When Jason Bottrell was asked today about, or when he was talking about important games in March and a playoff run and a race to the playoffs, the type of experience that this core group of players has not experienced, the guys he mentioned were Eichel, Reinhardt, Dahlin, and Ristolainen. And to me, when I hear a guy mentioned in that group, it's going to take, maybe he's just not even strictly available. I don't know what the story is with it. And I think that we have to just accept at this point, maybe this could change, but I think we have to accept at this point that the deal that people like me that want to see Ristolina moved for is not existent, and it's not there, and it maybe will never be there. Then we have to make a decision. Are we going to trade Ristolainen for picks and prospects, or are we going to trade him for something that's not really going to be a, a big needle mover? Even Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck would be a nice player on this team, but he's not taking them from you know 80 points to 97, and suddenly we're in the playoffs. Yeah, I think He's uh, not doing that. Right, but what you're asking for is to make subtle adjustments along the way. But like, he shouldn't, to me, be a subtle adjustment. If I'm trading Ristolainen... I'm making a major change somewhere, and I don't. If that's not happening, I think then maybe making, I think we just have to accept that he's on this team till the end of the contract. I think you're underestimating the idea of what I'm not saying complete addition by subtraction, but what Ristolainen's minutes moved to an to, moved elsewhere would actually do for the logjam on the Sabers back end. I don't think that Ristolainen is just com- a complete tire fire where he, whenever he plays, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm saying is that w- there are so many defensemen on the Sabres, and I think Ristolainen is replaceable enough where if you move Ristolainen and acquire a player like Tuck, that it's while it's a subtle adjustment maybe up front, it's not, it's, those are the kind of adjustments you need to become a better hockey team. If you're not losing much on the back end because you have so so much depth at that position in the organization and you're able to acquire a middle six guy with a ton of speed in Tuck or just whatever. Yeah. Tuck We're is using him example. as an example, but right, a player like that. I don't look at that as a minor adjustment, right, because I think you're looking at it like, okay, wrist in for Tuck straight up. You you give up some, you, you mm-hmm. get some back. It's a minor adjustment. I don't think that deal that you're talking about to propel them to the stratosphere is with Ristolainen. Mm-hmm. I think it comes no, within. You're probably right. W- comes in with the development, and I'm looking at Casey Middlestat and Dylan Cousins, and th- that's kind of where in the organization, that's where you need to see like major development in order to propel them in, unless you're looking to trade other pieces to get there. And I don't know what those would be. 
Like to me, Ristolainen is your big piece if you want to acquire that forward that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, because where I started the segment off here, like the story of today for me is that you did not get Vincent Trocheck and he was traded. If Ristolainen's not getting you that, what is? What what would the what would they have had to pay to get the guy they need? Exactly. Because the guy they needed was traded today. And my worry would be, well, if you couldn't get that done today, now how could I have any confidence that if a player like that becomes available again in the summer, that you're going to be the team to get him? What, how could I have any confidence? Right. Because that's not a big asking price. And it beat whatever the Sabres were presenting to Florida, assuming they were doing that. LeBron reported on Friday they were calling Florida. So we know they were in on it to some extent. If Ryan Nugent Hopkins becomes available in the summer, why should I have any confidence the Sabres are the team to get that done? Because if Ristolainen is not holding that value, and Montour is not getting me that player, or Colin Miller, to me, would certainly then not be getting you that player, and do, do, am I going to have now a conversation about trading Henry Yokiharu? Because I think maybe he could do it. But I'm talking about him being maybe a top-pair defenseman next to Rasmus Dahlin for the next 10 years. So it, it would come at a price, and that's a steep one. If you're giving away a consistent, good, young defenseman like that. But other than Henry Yokiharu, if you're not trading him, I don't know how I can sit here and have any confidence they're going to get this center. And I think maybe... We are just in a waiting game. And we're going to go ahead and yeah. we're going to do they're going to do the best they can at that position. They will not add a second line center outside the organization and we're going to be waiting for Casey Middlestad or Dylan Cousins to do it. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's the only I don't see much on the free agent market this year even though the the Sabres have an yeah. amazing amount of cap space this year. Like, I mean, they go pay Taylor Hall ten million bucks, but he's but that not still the center, doesn't even yeah. fill at the center position. Like, <laughs> I, the first one that came up that I saw was Miku Koivu. Like, really? Oof. Like, I, I don't know. He's like, he's like hundred at this point. He's, I don't think he'd want to leave anyway. But ex- yeah, I, right. I'm not even saying it as a realistic option. But if that's I'm, the top all I'm guy, saying is right. that if that's your, the number one center on the market, there's serious problems. The only way you can acquire that center is through a trade. Are you ready to part with an asset? like Casey Middlestat to make a trade for a second line center. Or And even I would tell you, like I, I'm sitting here saying maybe that's the only way to do it. I'm not saying I would want them to do that. Yeah, right. Or do right. you just wait for Casey Middlestat to be a second line center? I don't know the answer to that. But it's looking more and more like Ristolainen is not the avenue I think we all thought he would be in terms of acquiring that second line center. I think that's becoming more and more obvious. Maybe it was just a weird day and or a mm-hmm. weird week, and Ristolainen wasn't able to be shipped. And to be honest, well, it's been I a weird season then because right. But to be th- honest, I haven't even this. heard a lot of Ristolainen rumors recently. You know, it's not even oh, you're like right. yeah. his name has been like floated out there as an idea. I, I haven't seen like much of any of that. Last May- year, you even had that. Remember, there was a report by Andy Strickland right before the deadline. Hey, Tampa's interested. Right. Like, you didn't have a tweet. I thought Ristolainen was going to be traded to Tampa last year. Like I really thought that was going to mm-hmm. be the case. And you know. I don't know what names to like look for in terms of finding that second line center. I saw someone threw out the idea of like, can you work a trade for a Sean Monahan? Yeah, I saw that. You know, like they'd have yeah. to really blow things up in Calgary, which I guess they could do, but right. I'm and, not betting on that. But that's the kind of guy I'd be looking for. And think about that. If that's the kind of guy you're looking for, what do you have to add to Ristolainen to be as the the center of that trade chip? Mm-hmm. What do you have to add? to that to acquire a guy like Monaghan, I'm not really sure it can be done. 
Well, maybe they just don't have the guy. That's you're, you're right. They they just probably don't have the guy. I'm looking at free agents now, by the way. Um, and actually, I need to. I'm looking at cap friendly I, with the free agent centers coming up, but I'm looking at a list that includes RFAs in like the, all of the top ten. Here, you want to hear? This is incredible because he's not even really a center. The top UFA listed at, by points for this upcoming off season. The cap friendly has listed at center is Tyler Ennis. How about that? The number one guy in points among centers that are going to be free agents coming up is Tyler Ennis. He's not even really a center, but they have him listed as that. That's it. Carl Soderberg, who's 35. So Broussard. What I'm hearing. I mean, the guy, Joe Thornton, Mikel Granlund. Mikel Granlund might be an idea. I don't mind that. Maybe I should have looked a little bit deeper. He's having a bad year, so he's a little bit further down the list. I don't mind Mikel Would you Grand want him as a second-line center? I, I think he's good. He, he's like a bridge second-line center. This way, I don't need to have – I'm not praying that Middlestad or Cousins suddenly becomes a 60-point player out of nowhere, and I can be have a little more patience with that. Grandlin's having a down year, but that this guy has been a second-line center in his career. I mean, he's been a 50 – to 70 point guy. He had two seasons with Minnesota uh, in 2017-2018 where he was at 67 points and 69 points. And for the rest of his career, he's over 40, except for this year. It's a down year. Regardless um, regardless of how you feel about Granlund, I think like the only guy, it's though. safe to say that the pickings are pretty slim for available right. well, second-line centers. I'm, I'm, have, I'm kind of having to force that anyway. Like, right, I'm, and I'm getting you're too, talking I would take yourself that. into it. Right. You have to talk yourself into it. And I, that's why I'm mad that they think that I'm... I'm I think it's such a blown opportunity they weren't able to get Trocheck because I don't think you have to talk yourself into that as a second line center at all. Like he just is that. Yes, you could I argue think, maybe he's a number one center mm, on a team that's not that deep up the middle. Yeah, I would on a I team that's a contender. Him, I would I would hope there. that he's your second line center. Yeah. But, but and here's the thing, and this is kind of what I've gauged from Sabres fans because of today acquiring Wayne Simmons and acquiring Dominic Cahoon, you know, and then sending out Rodriguez and Sherry. This is the sum of what I'm gathering from Sabres fans today. Slightly above average mood about it. Slightly above average. Mm -hmm. They're not more good than bad, not thrilled, but certainly not upset. Right? The Trocheck thing was a bummer. I honestly I woke up this morning, it's like, all right, I'm that's mm-hmm. my that's my hope today. My hope today is Vincent Trocheck. All right. Wayne Simmons, when that news first came out, I was like, eh. Like I guess it's kinda like a whatever move. It's almost like they somewhat bought and then later on they somewhat sold. And it's kind of confusing, but it seems like it works because you were able to trade two UFAs for an RFA, so that kind of makes sense. And then Wayne Simmons is like I guess an intriguing piece, or at least he's been an intriguing player throughout mm. his career for the most part. I don't. To, it was a weird deadline, but I thought it was. I don't know if the Sabers know exactly what they're doing. Not in the sense they don't know what they're doing. I don't know, they don't if know what they're they want to be. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they want for the next twenty games. Well, let's 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 get into that because I think the Simmons trade 
is interesting in trying to gauge what they do feel about that and where worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What fans even, like how seriously people are taking, hey, that they were a team that should have been buying and that should be going for this. Um, we'll get into that when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney. To your calls next as well, 803-0550. If you're hanging on hold, we'll get to you. If, if you want to get in, we've got some open phone lines for you as well. Stay tuned. This is WGR. You know, there's always conversations going on, and we've had this discussion on, yeah, there's conversations, but to finally, uh, until something gets materialized, that's it. And we've certainly looked at a lot of different things for our group, but these were the moves that we felt most comfortable with and what would help our team out most right now. Sabres general manager Jason Botcherill. One of those conversations, by the way, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap, 803-0550 to your calls in just a second. Chad Dinaminesis on Twitter. I mean, he. I, I think it's a defense of the GM. It's a valid defense for why the Trocheck trade didn't happen, if true. For some reason, though, it makes me more frustrated. Chad tweets, I'm still trying to get a hold of everything after a wild day. After some conversations tonight, I'm not one to defend Botchel, but it sounds like they made a valid offer for Trocheck and thought their offer was better than that of the Hurricanes. Dave Talon the uh, Florida GM, decided to go elsewhere. I, I feel like that's it's a gr- that's a good defense. As someone that plays way too much fantasy football and makes a lot of trades doing it, there's nothing more frustrating playing fantasy football, and maybe I shouldn't compare the two, but there's nothing more frustrating than when you think you make a better deal for somebody, like a player, and then the person who has that player goes elsewhere for a package that you think you beat. This makes that's me, the most frustrating thing. It's frustrating, but it's good to know that they were really serious about him. I, I agree with that. I agree. Yes. I like that. And I also, it's now, it's, see, it's more frustrating, but it, mm-hmm. but it's less infuriating. It's frustrating in the sense, okay, I That's really right. wanted I like Vincent yep. Trocek. But I hearing that makes me think, all right, well, they tried their best. They thought they actually, yeah. not necessarily had him, but should have had him. That makes me feel better about the, I, I guess, the... Well, the leadership I, in the organization. And I just said it really last segment. I, if, if a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or someone like that, you mentioned Sean Monahan, the next time a center of this caliber becomes available, I just said 20 minutes ago that I don't know what I'm supposed to, why I'm supposed to have any confidence they'll get that done when they couldn't beat this Hall of package 
to get Vincent Trocheck. But maybe this is saying they thought they did beat that Hall of package. And again, that makes it more frustrating that that Trocheck's not here right now. But it's it's a good defense, and it gives me confidence that if that player does become available again, which doesn't happen often, but that they will take that idea seriously and they will go for it. I'd love to know what it was. Maybe we'll find out at some point what they actually offered. But it kind of reminds me yeah. of the whole A B thing. Like it was at first, mm. it was really disappointing that the Bills did not end up with Antonio Brown despite the reports, <laughs> which is fine. It ended up working out well for the Bills, but I'm just saying the initial reaction to that, right? Upset that Antonio Brown didn't want to come and play for Buffalo, hurts the ego a little bit, would have been great to have his talent on the roster, but it let us know that the Bills mm-hmm. knew they what wanted they a number needed. one wide receiver. It let, it, it let us knew, know, yeah, that yeah. they know what they need. We know that the Sabres now know they need that. Did they know that? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to think they didn't know that before, right? But maybe. Maybe they didn't. And, and they're trying. And they're trying. <sighs> I guess. We'll see. At least that, that, you're right. That is evidence. They're not just sitting around waiting for Cousins and Middlestat. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Me too. To the phones now. 803 Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. So I want to make a quick comment about what happened today. And then I want to take issue with two things that you said, and I, I really like to hear your response. So I think the trades that happened today, uh, I don't really hate what they did today, mm-hmm. but everything's starting with going back to Scandala and Bogosian and these two moves today. These are moves that, in my opinion, should have been made last year in the off season. So um, it's a little bit late. And the two things I want to take issue with, you, you, you said today mm-hmm. you thought that you don't think that the Sabres are asking too much for these, these hypothetical trade scenarios that we're all talking about. But yet, Darren Dreger was on, I think, the instigators, or he was on uh, in the morning, and said the reason these trades haven't happened is precisely because the Sabres are asking for too much. And that was Darren, I think it was Darren Dreger, I'm pretty sure. And then the other, my other thing that I want to ask you is, I called you about two weeks ago, and I took issue with the fact that this franchise has never had a, 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 a director of hockey operations. And you said that you were happy with the organizational, organizational structure of this team. Yes. Let me, let, me, let me ask you, how's that working out for you? How's what working out? Working out for you. How's what working out? Well, we haven't made the playoffs in ten years. I mean, when you're and you think that's because they don't have a president of hockey operations? It's be- I think it's because they don't have somebody competent that knows what they're doing. It, I don't. But, but why, here's the why thing. I don't. Just, why I, can't you just have a competent person as a general manager? Yeah. Why do you need them in a, a okay. presidential? They should have won ops? the. They should have won the cup in 2006. They didn't have a president of hockey ops. It, it's all matters who's at the head. I don't care if he's in, his title's GM or president of hockey ops. Whoever's at the top needs to be the guy that is competent, needs to be the guy that knows what he's doing. To me, if Jason, if it's not working out, that's not because they don't have a president of hockey ops, it's because they have the wrong general manager. I don't really care what his title is. Well, can I respond to that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so, so if you don't know anything about professional sports and you have no experience, how can you go out and relate and find somebody that does? So it's the blind leading the blind. Terry and Kim Pagula have no experience in hockey. They know nothing about the sport. And they are the ones who are going out 
And surprise, surprise, they're picking incompetent people. So my point is, if you hire somebody that has experience and has knowledge, that person is going to be more likely to be able to find someone who can acquire and, and, and make decisions about talent. I look at the development of the players. Look at the, look at, look at the picks. How many picks has, has Botterill hit on? They're not, they're not hitting on any of their picks because it's simple to me, man. You're, you're saying you don't need to hire. Okay, maybe it's not a director of hockey operations. Maybe it's a consultant, but somebody who can evaluate who's going to be a good GM because clearly the people who are doing it are hey, they they have plenty of consultants, dude. Like they have even if you go to assistant general manager Randy Sexton has been in the league for how long? Craig Patrick was a consultant on this team. Like they've, I don't need them to get a consultant. I I need the right guy at the top. That's it. I don't care what his title is. Right. I don't care if he's the president of hockey ops or if he's the GM. That whoever's at the top of the organization and the hockey side of it, which right now is Jason Bottrell, needs to know what he's doing. And I'm not happy with the job he's done so far, but. To me, as long as he's going to be here, all we got to do, all we can do, is judge the moves that he's making. Are- and today, it could have been better because they could have got Trocheck, but maybe they did have the best offer, and they ended up getting um, the, the player from uh, from Pittsburgh. Why can't I remember his Cahoon? name? Cahoon. And they get Wayne Simmons. And to me, like, fine. Look, I, I need you to do more. But the hockey, the hockey ops thing is like it's such a bizarre argument to me because, like you said, it's like, what does it matter what he's called? You know, if there's someone above Jason Bottrell who has to sign off on the decisions that he makes, just make the guy the general manager. Right. Like, I, I don't understand why you need a director of hockey operations. If, if you feel he's that good in leading a franchise, just make him your general manager. I don't, yeah, well, right, exactly, right. Because then he's, he's actually making the moves. And he's, right. Like, I don't, uh, think I, I, don't I don't think you need two people to occupy this. There are countless examples across the league where you don't need a director of hockey operations to have smooth leadership up at that uh, up at the top. Right. I mean the Sabres in their heyday for the the, the 2000s and the early part of the the 2010s. I mean the the yeah. very early part like the you know the 2010 <laughs> the two years they made it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean Darcy Regeer. I mean he was just, he was the general manager. He he was the guy. I mean I don't think you need a director of hockey ops in order to be a successful franchise and I don't like of all the things that this team needs I don't that's not something that I lay awake at night thinking about. I'm not sure Craig Patrick is still a consultant by the way. He was. I'm not sure if he still is. I'll look that up in a second. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's keep rolling through calls here. Thanks for the call by the way Kevin. Mike you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hi. Hey, how's it going Mike? Oh, uh, good. I, I I'm pretty happy with the trades today. Uh, I mean, I like Simmons. He's exactly what you need—a little physical toughness. I think getting rid of uh, Sherry and uh, what's his name, uh, Rodriguez, mm-hmm. I and mean, you could have got a bag of pucks for him, and I've been happy. Uh, so I think they did well there. Uh, what do you think about signing Reinhardt in the off season? I mean, do you try to get something for him, or do you sign this guy for six to eight million dollars when? Oh no, you want anything with him? No, you you definitely sign him. Th- thanks for the call, Mike. I I think you sign him. I, I don't think there's a conversation to be had here. If he played a different position, um, if he played defense, for instance, a player of this magnitude coming up, then maybe you have a conversation about it because you're so loaded back there. They don't, even with adding today, they are still in need of top six scores. To take one out makes and no have sense. to replace another one makes to me no makes sense. zero sense. But I, I do like your point about um, trading Rodriguez and Sherry for Dominic Cahoon. And I like it because I love that trade a lot. I, I yeah. like it because if you separate the two, what are you going to get? Maybe a third round pick for Sherry, 
and maybe like a fifth round pick for Rodriguez. Yeah, maybe. So you put them together and then you are able to acquire a decent, you know, probably on a good team, third to fourth line center who's controllable. Like, I think that's a win right there for Bottrell. Like, that's a very good move. You know, the Mm -hmm. Simmons, you know, say what you will about toughness. I don't think that toughness is the reason that the Sabres aren't great. I think that the reason the Sabres aren't great because they don't have enough talent to score goals. I think Mm -hmm. that's the reason why they're not great. You know, adding Simmons, fine. And the reason I don't mind getting Simmons is because it costs nothing. I mean, you know, on the off an extremely off chance that that fifth conditional fifth round pick turns into some you know late steal whatever i'll take the risk and add a guy who you know wave to come here and he's another Mm. guy you can throw in there i I guess if you're into the whole experience and toughness thing then he adds that element for you too so i i'm i always liked wayne simmons i you know i know he's kind of regressed in recent years but i'm i'm okay with it just because the price was so non-existent i'm more interested in what simmons means what trading for him means than what he'll actually do because i don't know we'll, we'll get into this in, in, after the break uh quickly the uh craig patrick by the way is no longer with the organization he was the special advisor under tim murray from 2014 to 2018 and that worked out great, they, right? Right. Were, were they bad because they had the wrong consultant? I, I'm sorry. I just can't get on. I, really? Am I supposed to take that seriously? That they're not good because they don't have a consultant? Jason Botchel's actually said a million times he's surrounded himself with veteran people in his organization because he's a first-time GM. Botchel so, essentially like wasn't a, a consultant right. in Pittsburgh. It's, it's about who's at the top, and Jason Botchel's at the top. That's what I'm judging. Let's go to Tom. Tom, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How about yourself? Good. Good, thanks. I had a couple of points I wanted to make about your conversation about Ristolainen. And just like, you know, it feels like, like, um, you know, you talked about fans wanting to get a return. I think the Sabres are, you know, just way overvalued this guy. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why they haven't been able to pull a trigger on a move for him. You know, I mean, they trot him out there for 23 to 25 minutes a night, in spite of the fact that for the majority of his career, and even this year where he's generally been better, his underlying numbers pretty much suck. Yep. And, you know, you, you know the, the point that was made about if you do trade him for whatever you get for him, obviously you'd like to get something nice like a troll check or somebody, but even if you get somebody lesser, like, uh, you know, whatever, you know, you, you've got Pilot who's buried in Rochester. You've got Darlene, who in my mind should be playing closer to the minutes that Ristolainen's playing. Mm-hmm. And everybody moves up the organization, you know, depth chart. And, I mean, you know, Montour's capable of playing in the power play you know, for, for Ristolainen, and everything moves up. And by doing by trading him, you're not creating this gaping hole in the depth chart like you did when you traded O'Reilly. And you really have to wonder if Botterill is at this point so scared that if he moves a piece or a name like that and doesn't get a gigantic call and ends up with another trade that on its face looks like O'Reilly, that he, you know, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess he'll get murdered in the press, but more importantly, he might get fired. You know, so you end up with this trade deadline where he doesn't move with the line in. He makes two trades that are, you know, they're all right. You know what I mean? They're, they're not bad trades. But, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, how different is this team right now than it was this morning? And, you know, the answer is, is not a whole lot. I mean, you know, what, what, are, what are Calhoun and, and, and Simmons going to give you combined, even if they, you know, wildly overperform expectations? Ten goals combined, maybe? You know, that's, which would be nice, but I don't know that that makes this team, you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, I don't think it. May, I don't think it gets them to the playoffs if that's where we're at. Tom, Tom thanks for the call. G- great job. Definitely not an over the hump. Neither move is an over the hump move. It's no. It's nothing that. But but here's here's was, my thing. Simmons is almost. The Simmons trade is so weird to me. It, it, it. I know what it. It means. I think I know what it means. I'm, but I'm it's weird so, to me. I'm okay with it because I think you can slot them okay on, your, on your yeah. third line and then it's fine. They got them for free. But yeah, and here's here's my thing. Where I was going with this is it's the the trades today were not over the hump trades, but I don't think there was a single trade that a re- single realistic trade that could have been made today to make me think that this team has a better than not chance to get to the playoffs this year. Oh, if well, they at acquired, this point, sure. If yeah. they acquired Vincent Trocheck right. today, I still am looking at the standings and I'm like, you still have an incredible oh, uphill yeah. battle to get there. This is why I'm okay with today's deadline. I would take it more seriously, but yeah. you didn't give up. Really, you didn't give up anything. You you didn't give up anything. You lost two guys who are going to be UFAs for a yeah. guy who is controllable in Cahoon. Mm-hmm. And you also gave up uh, a fifth in 2021, which is nothing. Yeah. Or a, not a lottery pick, a lottery <laughs> I was going to say, that, that's, that's actually valuable nowadays. Much different. Picks. Much different. Yeah. For a guy who I think, you know, at the very least, he'll be a fan favorite. Like, everywhere he's gone, you know, mm-hmm. fans have loved Wayne Simmons. If he can add a little bit of entertainment value to these last 20 games of the season, I'm all for it. But let's talk more about that trade, because it is still... I, I, I like it, too. I'm okay with it. It's still weird to me, though. Uh, and by the way, Rodriguez is an art, was an RFA at the end of the year, but, I mean... Right. He had You're asked right. for a trade. Right. He wasn't probably in the organization's exactly. plans anyway. Exactly. So and, what, and what are you getting for him anyway? Right, exactly. What are you getting for him? 803-0550 is the phone number. Switch to the Simmons trade a little bit. What it means that they did that. Um, and we'll continue to take your calls as well. Also, we'll talk about this poll that I put up on Twitter that's uh, got a l- got some people stirring. Heated. Um, Heated poll on Twitter. And you can vote on it at SneakyJoeWGR. Moneypuck.com, the site I use a lot. Has the Sabres at 4.4% to make the playoffs, 4.7% to win the lottery as of this moment. More likely they pick first than make the postseason. And which would you rather have as the poll? First round series against Tampa Bay, who's who you'd be matched up right now, or the first overall pick? And it is tight, this vote right now, which is kind of surprising to me. So we'll get into that when we come back too. So nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney on WGR. If I don't go anywhere today, I'm yes, then it's it's I'm done. Like that's I'm okay with that. I'm um, I'm happy what have what I've accomplished, and it's been such a fun year just being at home and coaching with my boys. You know, happy they are that that dad is home. So uh, that's that's been awesome. So no, I, I wouldn't train and try to come back next year. And as far as what I want to do, I want to take this year off and see what happens. But I do want to go back into the game and eventually, you know, be a GM. I think that's the one thing. And I've learned so much of being with different teams, you know, my last six, seven years of my career, of what really, in my eyes, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Former Sabre Thomas Vanek on the Instigators today. I guess that's him announcing his retirement, pretty much. Well, it was, he, there was, yeah. I mean, there was talk that he was trying to sign somewhere, latch onto a, you know, contending team. Yep. He still can play. I mean, it's weird to me that him and Pommetville weren't able to get like one-year vet minimum contracts. Both guys last year, which will maybe end up being both players last seasons, uh, scored 16 goals, which is like that's not all that shabby at all. That's that's not bad. Um, but 
if that's it for Vanek, I, I like hearing that, by the way, that he uh, wants to be a GM someday. So maybe throw him in the organization, get him uh, start learning some stuff, because maybe you could have him down the line do it. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Thomas Vanek a lot. Like I grew to lo- I grew to love him as a player more and more as he was here. He wasn't my favorite right at the beginning because I was a big I, I liked him. I don't want to say I didn't I didn't like him, but I was always a big fan. He did a better job. Take try he tried to take over the team because he knew someone had to do it once Breer and Drury were gone, and. Part of me thinks that if they had a little more support, like if one of Drury or Breer stay, I always wonder this, or I have wondered this, if one of the guys stay, they obviously wouldn't have been as good as they were in 0506 and 0607, right? Because you're you're losing one great player no matter what. But if you told me that the two leaders of your team were Drury or Breer, Breer for instance, leaves for this, and Vanek. I think he was capable of being that kind of guy. Like, I think he was capable of being your second, third best player. And you could still be a really good team when he was in the prime of his career. But he had to be the number one guy in the team, the best forward on the team. He had to be the primary scorer. He had to be the number one creator. And, and they still made the playoffs twice. They did, right. And he was their best offensive player both and he times. Was, and I don't even know how close it was. I mean, you yeah. could make the argument maybe Pominville. But like Pomeroy would be right there. Yep. But I mean, as far as pure offensive skill goes, mm-hmm. I mean, your scoring goes through Thomas Vanek after yeah. Breer and Jury left. And the other thing I'll always remember is Vanek in that video where this where Lindy Ruff gives Jason Pomeville the C, where he names Jason Pomeville the captain, before he names or he names Vanek one of the assistant captains, and he gives Vanek the jersey with the A, and Vanek just looks like. I can't believe it. Like, he he looked like a guy in that moment that was upset that he wasn't named captain because he wanted it. He wanted to be the leader of that team. And Lindy didn't give it to him. And whenever I would see that video, it comes up once in a while, I always look at Vanek and I'm like, that guy wanted to see. He wanted it. And he ended up getting it a little bit later on, like, for half a season, co-captain with Steve Ott. But by that point, everything was being torn apart anyway. So I don't know what it was about Vanek, but it, he seemed to be a pretty polarizing player, even in Buffalo. Well, because it's... I honestly think that's 100% just because of the way he skated. It was just La- like, like Lazy Thomas Vanek of... was a thing. Yeah, but, but he, ne- he wasn't. But was, he and wasn't, you've never no, right. heard You've never heard a single thing from a, a teammate, a coach, about him having a poor oh, no. work ethic. It was just, it, he looked, he had a weird stride, the way he skated, it, it and it made it look like he was... It looked effortless. Yeah. Like, he didn't move his feet all that fast. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's something why. he even admits. He said he doesn't have quick feet, and then, right. you know, he took a lot of pressure here. A lot of pressure here. And I think a lot of that might have had to do with the fact that uh, the, the the offer sheet, mm-hmm. he was he was definitely overpaid out of the gate because of the offer sheet from... Edmonton. What What do you think? Uh, we got to hit a break in a second here. But what do you think happens with twenty six? You think if Darlene not retired? I, you think well, if Darlene goes on, remember because Darlene's wearing twenty six. If he goes on to well, have, yeah, I think it will be a re- Hall of Fame career, and they retire. They're going to retire Rasmus Darlene's number. Do they? Do they do two banners? Vanek get in on that at all? Because the guy, no. like I, I wonder about this because he's like fifth all time in scoring for them. Like he's up there. Uh, points, he's eleventh. Whereas goals, he's fifth. Goal, the only Sabres that have scored more goals than Thomas Vanek are Danny Gare, Dave Andrewchuk, Rick Martin. How long was Gilbert he Perot. here? Seven years? Um, I think so. 
like oh, from like, two thousand five until twenty fourteen. So he's okay, here for so nine eight, years. eight full seasons, eight full seasons, and then uh, thirteen games into his ninth year. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I think you could conceivably you say retire twenty six for both of them. If it, if Dalene, of course, continues to be like an elite franchise Norris winning defenseman. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, like if it was if Dalene didn't have twenty six, would you Ramsey's say no to twenty six? Isn't enough? retired. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, Mike Ramsey deserves to have his number retired yeah. before we can even have a conversation about Thomas Vanek. Okay. Well, 26 is probably getting eh, – maybe. The odds are, the way Dalene's going at 19, that that'll be retired someday, though. So, it'll Let's be hope. retired nonetheless. Just Let's maybe hope. not for Vanek. 803-0550 is the phone number. We didn't get into it here. We'll get into it right after the break. Wayne Simmons, what does that trade mean to what the Sabres think about this season? It might mean they think they can still make the playoffs. I think it's got to. Uh, 803-0550 for your hand on hold. Stay there. We'll get to you after the break. And we still got open phone lines for you as well to jump in. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney, stay tuned here on WGR. I think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back to The Nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I, I enjoyed today. It was a good deadline day. We had some uh, Johnny Goudreau uh, drama for about 25 minutes until we realized he just had to go number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Parise was like a name being talked about throughout the whole morning. Out of nowhere. And it didn't happen. Yeah. But maybe that, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a deal that gets done in the summer. It sounds like they came real close. They got. I mean, they got to a point where they had both players sign their no... Uh, or waive their no trade clauses. Oh, and they I, both th- did. I thought you were being facetious at first because I hate I hate that phrase. Oh, it's oh. A, this is a summertime deal. Like okay, like whatever. Well, like for the Islanders, you mean? Like what? What do you mean? I'm just like the phrase. It sounds like a summertime kind oh, of deal. I, I just really don't mm. like that phrase because we see, we see blockbusters happen True. at any time. So why does it have to be a summertime deal? You're right. Um, it probably will happen in the summer though. I'd be- I'd bet on it happening. Maybe. It came that close? Yeah. I think it's stupid. I mean, they both waved. Ladd and yeah. Parisi waved, yeah. I, I think Lou Lamorello is nuts if he's doing that. He's Parisi's f- 35. He's got five years left at th- 7.5 million or something. And, like, he's still a good player. He's not He's not worth the money he's making. He's almost like a poso right now. If I was a Minnesota fan, I'd be like, ugh. If now he has, like, th- yeah. four more months to think about it. <laughs> and he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to yeah. stay in So He's going to watch the Islanders go out in the first round of the playoffs and score like three goals total. And then he's going to be like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to stay in Minnesota. Let's see, let's see what this rebuild uh, entails. Um, by the way, my poll is apparently picking up some steam, some big steam. I wouldn't say it's quite going viral, but it might be going viral within the hockey community. Very polarizing. Um, Ryan Lambert just retweeted it, formerly of Yahoo. Uh, one of my favorite hockey writers just retweeted it. Um, Money Puck just retweeted it themselves. We got the guys from TSN picking it up now. This is it. And it's a, it's an interesting question. It's not a hard one for me. It's a little hard. But what I'm interested in is the fact that it's as close as it is. Moneypuck.com, the site I use mostly for playoff odds and advanced nut- metrics and such, 
has the Sabres at 4.4% to make the playoffs, 4.7% to win the lottery. They're more likely right now to pick first than to make the playoffs. Which would you rather have? A first-round playoff series against Tampa or the first overall pick? And I thought about it for a second, and I would love it if they made the playoffs. It would be awesome. They make a run like that. It would give you a lot of confidence going into next year. But what is the smarter thing? You're, I know Columbus beat Tampa. I know. Everybody is picking up the phone right now to tell me that they, oh, the Blue Jackets beat the Lightning last season. I know. I cannot see this team having a real series with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I just can't. I can't get there. I know what just happened, but I can't see it. The first overall pick this year, Lafreniere. He's pretty good. He, he could be another great piece. And I know... You could say, oh, they got Eichel, and what did it do for him? And they got Dahlin, and what did it do for him? You continue to add elite young talent like that, someday it's going to pay off. Right. And to add another guy of that caliber, I'm taking that. I'm sorry, I'm taking that. I I know that we've done the draft pick song and dance for nine years. We've done, oh, this prospect and this prospect, and that things will be better in two to three years. And he'll be amazing in in 2023. I know that that is not that appealing to some people. But it is way smarter. The best part... If I could choose both, or if I could choose one in a perfect world. The best part about this poll is that it plays against... It plays two sides. The logical side of a fan and the emotional side of a fan, right? And right. the emotional side of me says, I cannot wait another season to see this team in the playoffs. <laughs> yep. And the logical side of me says, how can you pass up on an opportunity mm-hmm. to get Lafreniere? Because who knows what this team's going to look like next year at this time. And it's honestly, a lot they, could, they could go to the playoffs losing four or five to Tampa Bay, and then we could be at the same exact spot next year talking about how should we sell or should we buy at the deadline? Should fans want this or that or the other thing? But if you just get Lafreniere, yep. like how how do you not? That's your sideline center, by the how way. Do you right? be, he's, a he's a winger. He is a winger? Oh, okay. But how do you... Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the Russian kid. I don't know who I'm thinking of then. Okay. How do you... How do you pass up on a guy like Lafreniere? But at the same time, I want to go back to that. I forget what it's like to be in the playoffs. I forget what it's like to be in the hockey playoffs. The hockey playoffs are awesome. The NHL playoffs is mm. a tremendous, tremendous sports spectacle I was that we have not been a part of for way too long. Yeah. I was 15. I wasn't even driving yet. We were, what, junior sophomores in high school? Were we even in? How old are you when you start high school? Yeah, sophomores we, in high school. We were both class of 2013, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were both sophomores in high school. Yeah, because they went 10 11, but not 11 12, right? Uh, it's a good argument. All you needed to mention was that maybe fact right there. Um, Quentin Byfield is the guy I'm thinking of, by the way, the center. Uh, you're right. Lafayette's a winger. I don't care. Um, oh, I don't care at all. I don't. It's, it's what. It, really, that can lead us into the Simmons conversation and what they think they were doing with that deal because they didn't go all in on the playoffs. But they made a buyer's move. Like that that Wayne Simmons trade, that's what Darcy Regeer does when you're the seventh seed going into the deadline. That's that what that trade is. And the Sabres made it being six points out of a playoff spot, one game in hand on Toronto. If you win the game in hand, you're four out. You're four behind uh the Panthers right now. No games in hand on them. And it's very unlikely you make it. Is it completely impossible? No. 
Money Pucks got them at 4.4% to make it. I look at Jeremy tweeting today the, the record that it would take. Toronto's on a pace to reach 93 points. For the Sabres to get to 94, they'd have to go 14-5-2. That, see, that, that sounds does not even better sound than outrageous. it did last week. I last know. week it well, they sounded won. much worse. They won some well, games. They won some games, but... Right, but they didn't even have to do... like it. Last week at this point, we were talking about them having to go, like, what, 19-5? and five? And then they lost a game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like, it sounds even more realistic now, and I am not at all saying that I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm interested. Like, I'm interested, and that makes me happy. If they had lost these two games this weekend, there would be no interest. And like I said I last week, remember, remember this is what I said to you last week, is can we prolong the interest in this season for as long as possible? Because... Outside of the Sabres, we really have nothing until the draft. You know, yeah. we got the Bills have free agency in the middle of March. Then the that draft. Is a, and, then, and then the draft. Mm-hmm. You're talking about one month away and then another month away after that. If there is any way that the Sabres can prolong their relevance in this season, I am all for it. Giving up a fifth-round pick next year that could be a fourth-round pick for Wayne Simmons is nothing and it's not that Wayne Simmons is some superior player anymore who's going to get you over the hump, but it makes it even more interesting. If you can prolong the interest and relevance in this season, I'm all for it. They didn't take away from the future to do it. I'm okay with this deadline. And um, I just I just really, just please don't lay some duds this week. You have a really tough schedule coming up. you got Colorado, you got Vegas, you got Arizona, and then you go to Winnipeg. I mean, that's that's tough. Those mm-hmm. are tough barns to play in, maybe minus Arizona, but it's still out west. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... I think that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. What's and funny that's, is... That's what I think the Wayne Simmons thing is. It's, is yeah. it, you said it's a buyer's move. Is it really a buyer's move? To me, a buyer's move is I'm giving up the future for the now. The Sabres didn't do that by acquiring Wayne Simmons. They're, right. They gave up... A nothing piece. But I do think it's a, it's a lens into what they what Bottrell thinks. Good, and I like it. Because it shows that he's not unrealistic. He's not unrealistic in thinking that this team is an actual contender. Or unrealistic in thinking this team has a good chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it gave, him, it gave them just enough to say, Hey, you know what? If you do go on a run, this might be a good piece to have for the stretch run. Without giving up anything of significance Mm -hmm. he was able to do and that's why i think today was good not great good because he was able to do something that was kind of both a sell and a buy in the sense that he got something for now that's a ufa in wayne simmons for nothing and also traded away a pending ufa and a pending rfa you know but also for a guy who can contribute now and that's why i think today was good overall it doesn't take away from you going on a run now because that's what it would take, a heck of a run now. And it doesn't take away from the future at all. So I think he played it pretty well today. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind the trade. I, it's fine because, like you said, they didn't give anything up. He was definitely making calls on guys like that, though, because he obviously got himself to Wayne Simmons. He got himself to ask about a guy who would have had to waive his no-trade clause. And you're right. It's a good point that they don't. He's not. He didn't go all in on it. He didn't go all in on. Oh, we're gonna make the playoffs, which does mean that he is realistic. Because if he had gone out and traded, well, really, no, no rentals got 
like big, big prices. Like if he had traded, I don't know, two second round picks for Anthony Siu, but even he had, was an RFA. So maybe there isn't a perfect example for this. Let's say Chris Kreider would have been dealt, and he traded a first for Chris Kreider, who Ugh. was a free agent coming up. You asked me about that last week as an idea. Right. Then to me, he's he's a psycho. Unrealistic. Like what are you doing? Right. You th- you are not making the postseason. You're doing that, but. At the same time, I'm still not realistically thinking they can make it. I'm not. It, yes. it, um, miraculously, it could happen. But like at Yahoo NHL Sports, when they, when they tweeted out uh, what I thought was a little snarky at the time, and I wanted to kind of be like, okay, what are you doing here? But they're kind of right. They tweeted out the headline to like their Simmons story or whatever, and Yahoo NHL can be a little snarky on Twitter, was Sabres trying to miss the playoffs by as, as little as possible. And like that, that's how I look at this move. They're trying – they're – I don't think they're making it, so they're trying to miss the playoffs by as few points as possible. And I'm here for it. I, I, I kind of am too. Kind of am too. And in a way, it's almost smart because I think Jason Bottrell sounds to me like he hears the noise. He doesn't let it influence his decision-making, or at least he says that. And I think actually the proof's in the pudding. He hasn't really rushed any deals. They haven't made any trades all season until today. So I think you could look at that and say, well, he really doesn't uh, fall to the, the, the fan pressure. But I do think that there's something to be said for people have been calling for his job. People were calling for president of hockey operations on our show 40 minutes ago. There are people calling for other general managers to come in here and save the day. Chris Drury, Danny Breyer, whoever. And I think if they were to have... A type of run where, let's say, 14-5-2 gets them in, maybe. Yeah, gives them a better than 50-50 chance of doing it. Let's say instead of 14-5-2, they go 11-8-2. And they end the season with, like, 89-90 points, and they miss the playoffs by four. I think he's safe. I do, too. I think people will look at that. They'll be happy with the season as a whole because I'll tell you, even myself, beginning of the season, if I might have signed up for them missing the playoffs by four points. is I know our, our bar has dropped so low. But I would have thought about it at the very least because I'm at least having a season now. Oh, for sure. Remember coming into the season, I think most Sabres – there were Sabres fans who were like, oh, this team should be in the playoffs. But I think we all looked at the Atlantic Division, and I think it's funny how it's turned out because the Atlantic Division is mm-hmm. not great other outside of Boston and Tampa Bay. But everyone looked at the Atlantic Division as some stacked division that the Sabres were really going to have a tough time making the playoffs in. And I think many of us were all resigned to the fact that if they're playing meaningful games in March, it was probably a decent season. Now, So now they have the chance to play meaningful games in March – does that make it a good season? I, th- I think it does. I want The other thing, too, uh, the other part of the Simmons trade is how much he'll actually help them. And I really don't think it's much. Like I, th- I think he'll be a guy. He'll score some goals, maybe. Maybe not, actually. He's only got eight in 61 games this year for, On a bad for team. New Jersey. On a bad team. But even last year, he had kind of taken a step back. Sure. Like, I'm, he not was, saying, I'm not saying he's great, but I'm just saying, no, you know, maybe a change in of the playoffs. Is, I'm not a change of scenery guy, but, you know, who me knows? Me neither. But he was healthy scratched in the playoffs last year by Nashville. So, like, it's not like they got some superstar. He yeah. he will – I think he'll improve their bottom six. Right. I think he'll improve their middle six even, maybe. So, but is he even better than Connor Sherry? Like, I'm not one to really think about the grit and the, and the, and the toughness and yeah. the leadership because at the end of the day, I think your production is your production, and his production is not more than Connor Sherry's. So is he really going to help them all that much? I think you maybe just sent out Sherry and let Simmons in. So maybe what they did is they – they plateaued. They they stayed the status quo. They they moved Sherry. They moved Rodriguez. They brought Simmons in. And to me, 
if they do have an improvement on the forward group the rest of the season and something on deadline day helps them to getting in a race, it's Cahoon. It's not Simmons. I, I think he is a guy that has some upside because there's an argument to be made by him because Simmons at this point, 31 years old, like he's on the back half of his career. Sure. Back, he's probably like on the he's on the 16th hole maybe, um, considering he is getting pretty slow right. up here in the, at this point in his career. Cahoon, 24, a little bit underutilized in his career. He's played a little bit with Melkin in Pittsburgh. He played a little bit with Taze in Chicago, but not super, not on a very consistent basis. And he's produced. Mm-hmm. And he's produced pretty well. So there's an argument to be made for him that in a in a more when he, if he's utilized more, if he comes in and now he's on a second line, he's playing with Jeff Skinner and Marcus Johansson instead of playing on Pittsburgh's third or fourth line, instead of playing on Chicago's third or fourth line. There's an argument to be made that he's going to see a bump in his production. It's the same argument as to why I've been wanting them for a year to trade for Jack Roslovich in Winnipeg. Roslovich, if, if you look at his numbers on the surface, you'll look at, oh, 26 points. Why do I want that? But then you look at, oh, he only averages nine and a half minutes of ice time a game. So if you look at his points per 60 minutes of ice time, he's actually really good. And that's kind of what Cahoon is to me. That, hey, you bump up his minutes two, three, by two or three, and I don't want him probably playing with Eichel because Olsen's got that spot hammered down. But actually, on a second what, line, do you like, want I think to try I, to figure like that out? Like, what, what does the, does this change? The lines? Does this, like, substantially change the lines for you? You know, Cahoon is a center. I well, he he's he is listed as a center, but dig, doing some digging on him, he has not played center really in Chicago or Pittsburgh. Like he's really? done it sparingly, okay. but he's been more of a winger. And actually, Bottrell today, when asked about that, said that he can't. It was one of those he can play center, but I view him more as a winger. So like a Johansson, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you'll have two of those guys in the same line. There we go. If we're if we're doing lines right now. What gives them the best chance to win the rest of the season? Like I'm not sticking Wayne Simmons up on my second line. I'm sticking no. Cahoon on there with Skinner and Johansson. But we I don't know, know that what we know do, that but. Skinner's not going to play on the second line. Just this, I don't understand. I don't understand why. But well, he, he could get him back there. He did play a lot with Johansson earlier in the season. Yeah, I'm just saying all the recent, you know, data shows that oh, Skinner right. is not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Looked on too favorably by, by Ralph Kruger at the moment. Right. Uh, I don't know what that deal is, but I'm I'm interested. Does this actually substantially change the lineup? I don't. It definitely doesn't touch your first line. But you mentioned Cahoon, Johansson, Skinner. Is that a possibility? Can Cahoon play center in between Johansson and Skinner? That would move Johansson to the wing where he's more comfortable. And I think when he did move to the wing, we all saw a more comfortable productive version yeah. of Johansson. But I think we might be just be doing the same thing with Cahoon. Cahoon is might it, be a guy more comfortable on the wing. But in, is it worth it to do it? Is it worth it to do it? If he's not comfortable, he's still better than Lazar. He's still more productive than Lazar. He's still... Yeah, that's right. Like, But to me, again, I have not been... I've not had a huge issue with Johansson at center this year. I think he's done, he's done fine. Um, he's a little under... A point every other game, which is only it's only a little bit below what his point his, his normal point pace is for a season. Sure. Now his goal scoring's gone down. Mm. He's only got seven goals in the season. Right. But even then, he was never like a big goal scorer. He scored tw- he scored twenty goals twice in his career. So it's not like he's been embarrassing. I, I think he's been okay. And I don't know if I get more than that out of Cahoon. I think maybe Cahoon would just be okay, and he'll be a guy that just holds down the fort. And I think looking at him as a younger player, where Johansson is at what thirty, he's gonna be thirty. And he's got one more year left in his contract after this year. 
They traded for Cahoon today. That's why I like that trade more. I do believe that's a guy you can have in your organization for three, four, five years. Sure, yeah. And can help you. And maybe even he could reach a higher ceiling than he's had he's seen so far. Maybe he could be a 25-goal scorer. I don't know. Like, like is he not like, – who's better right now, Connor Sheary or Cahoon? I think Cahoon's a better player. So, I guess – I think he drives more play if you look at it as deeper into the numbers. Right. Um, his, his, uh, his scoring chances are higher, and – I like him more as a player than Connor Sherry. I think he can create his own play, and I actually think his shot is better. Watching a little bit of him mm-hmm. and then um, looking at a little bit of uh, his highlights earlier today, like when you see the puck come off his stick, he's got a nice release, like a really nice release. And Connor Sherry was like an okay player. Like he, he was a really fast skater, and he could finish. But it wasn't a guy you were sticking or you shouldn't have been sticking he kinda just, on the right yeah. flank on your power play shooting one-timers. And just seems like kind of disappeared. Like for games oh, he at a time, he just disappeared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. And I think that's good. That's a good deadline. I think you know we've touched on this already. Mm-hmm. But I think the big thing was that we were – I don't think we were afraid. I think we were a little bit nervous to see how much of a playoff contender – Bottrell thought the Sabres were, and I think he answered it. I Mm. think he answered it by getting Wayne Simmons, giving you a little piece of something that might help you down the line, Mm -hmm. but not committing anything from a future standpoint, not committing anything substantial to do it. Thank goodness for that. I know Simmons said he wants to stay here long term. I'm not really on board with that. I'm not sure, unless he wants to come back and play for like a million bucks. Don't need it. Don't need it. I would have liked to see them side Pomaville today, by the way. If they really thought they could make a run, he's, is he still hanging around? He's still in shape? I don't know. Bring Pomaville and Vanek back. you got the cap space to do it now. <laughs> Why couldn't you have done that? I don't know. I'm going too far probably now. All right, we're going to get to our interview of the day right after this. Brian Koziol was on with Shopin' the Bulldog earlier recapping deadline day and the upcoming Sabres schedule in Colorado on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock who ran them out of their own building uh, the last time that Big they yikes. played the Sabres. So, yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, you, you talked about, like, let's see some important games and let's win a couple of these next ones. They've got a tough schedule. They've got a real tough schedule coming up. they got this West Coast trip. Vegas is in there. Maybe we see Robin Leonard, by the way, um, who's now a Golden Knight. What what do they have to do on this on this trip in six order to – Six of eight? They need to get six out of eight points. So For, for, me, to, for me to continue to take – I don't even really take it that seriously yet. If you want me to take it seriously, get six out of eight. Get within four points. Realistically, that means to me you split Colorado, Vegas, and then you win in Arizona, in Winnipeg. That's what it means to me. That seems like the most likely scenario. But here, and here's another thing I thought of. I know we got to get to a break, mm-hmm. but we were talking last week, last Monday, about what an Ottawa loss would be crushing. Be crushing, right? Ottawa was the one game they lost. And that was the one game. What if it was reversed? What if they beat Ottawa, lose to Pittsburgh, beat Winnipeg? Does everyone have that same kind of, oh, well, the season's over now feel? I know that's not there anymore. Well, they would have the same amount of points in this this scenario. But it's it's, it's like a... I would have felt the same, probably. You would have felt the same. If they had beat Ottawa... If they had beaten Ottawa, not, say they and, lose three to two to Pittsburgh and then they beat Winnipeg, well, would, would you have had the same no, outlook? I would have had the same outlook. I, I think just looking at the difference and the record you need. But I will say this: if they had beat Ottawa, and I don't have to change anything else, and they're on a six-game win streak right now, that's what maybe makes that loss so frustrating. Because I think I'd be in if you're four points four out points with back, a game in hand. With a game in hand for for a team that is just it in just a sounds, spiral. That but that's the that's the thing about this race, and that's the thing about today's NHL. The margin for error when you're coming from behind is so thin. It's so thin. 
that they will probably have to do what they just did. Think about that. Where were they coming from? Were they not 10 points back? They were 10 points back, right? They were 10 points back. They were 10 points back and they, uh, before the Pittsburgh game. Right. And they Well, they won five out of six in that stretch. And they went from 10 points back to six. So that just tells you how th- how razor thin the margin for error is. You could win your next five out of six, and now I'm only two points back. But i got to continue to keep that pace up. Right. And who knows if Toronto turns on and flips the light bulb at Which some point. Which they absolutely I don't, could. They, they could. absolutely They did lose could. to a Zamboni driver the other day. So, Oh, wasn't that great? Was that so awesome? It was. It oh, my gosh. really Were you was watching? awesome. I wasn't watching, I but wish I, kept I was. tabs. I kept tabs. I wish I was because I would have been into that. Every time, like, I think there's something to be said, by the way, for teams play more desperate, obviously, like when there's an empty net, for instance. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't give me. up a shot. Like, yeah. you can't give up a shot. And I feel like Carolina playing like that. Because they, you could see it even on their penalty kill, they were like desperate. It's like if their net was empty, and they played like it. And I think that maybe contributed to them dominating the Leafs in the third period of that game. Yeah, it's probably one of those things where it's it's coincidental, but, but like, it's like in you a, can't in a give small, anything up in a small sample size. Yeah, you, right. you play like that, but it's not like unsustainable. No, sure, yeah. you would you would probably gas out like right. a quarter exactly. into the season yeah, exactly. if you play like that. You just that. gas out, yeah, yeah. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll hear from Brian Koziel after this. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney. It's the nightcap on WGR. Welcome back into the nightcap. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, down the hall at WBEN, becoming a regular contributor to the nightcap here. It's kind of become like uh, the old Ryan Gates Wednesday Friends Day, but it's not always a. Uh, Limited to Wednesdays. Just, hey, whenever. Two dudes talking about sports. Could be whenever. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on some of this deadline talk we're having. Talked about the Simmons trade a lot in the last segment. We're going to get to our interview of the day, though, now. Brian Koziel, our regular Sabres Radio Network host, Joined Chopin the Bulldog earlier today to recap Deadline Dig, give some of his opinions on the team going forward, whether this is a real playoff race that they're in. Here's Brian with the guys. Joining us now on the Western Hotline on this NHL trade deadline day is our man Brian Koziol, who, of course, hosts post-game coverage, often pre-game coverage on the station. Hi, Brian. Gentlemen, hello. I was just thinking today for the first time in forever by the way, about that trivia game we did in Rochester when you were a student. Remember that? I do. Yes, I do. That was I, fun. I have somehow like that has escaped my memory for many, many years, but when I was hosting there, I had this I built the whole thing. Like I wrote the questions and everything, mm-hmm. and this trivia thing in a bar. College guys in bars. I was already like at that young stage of my career. I was facilitating I don't know, but like Brian and Brockport came to compete against other schools and we had a whole thing there. So anyway, I just wanted to tell you I was thinking about that. Uh, back to business. So deadline day for the Sabres. Brian, how do you think they did? Well, I don't really have anything negative to say about the two moves themselves. In fact, I think the the, the later of the two deals getting uh, the, the deal with the Penguins I actually think is pretty good. You've got two players that I think have extremely underperformed, one of which maybe we could argue, you know, was he set up to fail? Did he play enough? Was he maybe just not that good at all? Was he an AHL player? I mean, I think you can maybe make an argument for Rodriguez in many ways. But Connor Sherry, I think, has been really disappointing in his time with the Sabres. I thought he would provide a lot more offense than he did, and he hasn't really been consistent at all. So to be able to take those two guys, 
uh, and, and obviously Rodriguez vocal about maybe not even wanting to be here and turn it around into a player that at least from what I'm seeing from Penguins, people that cover the team there seem like this is a, a young player with a lot of potential and somebody that can maybe produce more offense than what Rodriguez and Sherry has done. Uh, I think it's fine. And the Simmons deal, I mean, we just heard it from Jason Bottrell. He seems like he's valuing so much about his personality and his presence in the room. And, you know, Simmons has played in some big games and I guess can add some other intangibles to this lineup. So the, the trades themselves, I, I guess I don't really have a, a, anything negative to say about them. The bigger picture, though, is that I don't know if he actually solves any of the issues that the team has. Maybe a little bit of the intangible things about Simmons, but the big issues with this team are still there. They still have middle six player, a middle six set of players that are unreliable. They still don't have that second-line center to be dominant. I still don't know quite if they have the right goaltending situation overall. And they still, I think, have some players that are still underperforming that should be doing better. So I don't know if, if any of that was necessarily addressed today. When I hear Jason Bottrell talk, I always feel like he should be doing the opposite of what Ralph Kruger is doing. He always seems to have this short-term thought process. And I don't know if this is just what he likes to portray through his talking, but when he joins you even every few weeks, he does the same thing about, well, you know, you guys will bring up a general point, and then he'll kind of short-term it and say, well, yeah. it was a good response when we came back in one. I'm like, well, yeah, one victory against the team or one two good periods against the team. Like, I don't want the GM to be reacting or thinking along those lines. Like, I want him to do big picture. And if Ralph Kruger wants to do short-term with his team, like, I, just, I, I took that away again from this press conference that it was all about, well, we had a bad game in Ottawa, but look how we responded this weekend. I'm like, are you really making moves – on based upon how they did against Winnipeg here, grinding it out in the third period. Like, I don't want my GM thinking along those lines. And maybe this is just what he likes to say publicly, but right. um, I, I guess to me, he's like, well, these guys will help us maybe for the next month or two. But still, like, this team, long-term, short-term, I don't know if they actually got better at all today. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you've had 62 games this year. You've had, you know, 82 last year. You had the 82 before that. Some of these guys have been here for all of that. And so, you know, I, I think you should have a pretty good handle on who you have and who you want to keep and, and build around. And I think there's still some, some dead weight here. They still have a glut of defensemen that they really they built this stockpile, Boutrell did last year, of defensemen, and they removed one, one guy from the picture, and that was, that was Bogosian. Um, and even that was belabored, but they finally did do it. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 still like it's to me it's the move that didn't get made. It's still the defenseman trade for that forward that could have helped you much sooner this season so that you're not just looking forward to hopefully uh meaningful games in March, um uh, but you know more than that. So like I've got like an overall uh you know I I feel, I feel pretty down about it, but you know, in a vacuum, okay, Wayne Simmons, I don't have a player really with his what he has to offer on my team, whether that's just in the room or even on the ice, but it's not going to move the meter, I don't think. It's not going to be a difference between wins and losses here in this stretch. Um, and, you know, Cahoon is, is a nice piece to sort of add to the mix, but again, not someone I expect to move the meter here immediately. Um, and so like, I, I guess coupled with what, you know, Florida did ultimately trade a perfect number two center, today and like that's the deal that i need to see made eventually 
Yeah, and Carolina clearly – had the Sabres done what Carolina did today with their move of Trotschek and then maybe – and Shea later on. I mean, I'm not saying that's what the Sabres needed, but the, the image that Carolina gave was we are going for it. They went to the Eastern Finals last year. They're hoping to maybe make a similar run, if not go farther. The Sabres, <clears throat> the Sabres today, to me – just kind of did some house cleaning, I guess I'll say. Like, all right, we these are some players that have underperformed. Can we find a way to maybe move them out? Yes. And what they gave up to get Simmons essentially is almost nothing. So that was maybe a nice little addition for a guy that might play 20 or less games for this team. But the big picture, I just I don't think it was addressed at all again. And the taking from what Jason Bottrell said is that he thinks this will help them going forward to make the playoffs, which I'm not expecting him to say the opposite, but it just, again, it seems so short term of like, well, these guys all of a sudden are going to push us across here. And I just, I don't know. I just don't buy it. I, I think that he's got to have more grandiose ideas here. And I don't know if he's on that same short term thinking of, well, we've won two in a row. I'll add a piece or two. And now let's, well, hope that we can make up these six points. You know what, Brian? Like you're you're asking yourself what I'm always asking myself about him, and that's is this how he really feels? Because it's really it can be two different things. It can be this is what I want to do or this is what I think, and then it's well, this is what I'm going to say. And when a team is losing, a lot of times maybe you just feel if you're answering the questions, you don't have any other choice. But these are, as you're talking, words you're using, like big picture. Like These are those moments, just like July 1st is and the draft is, where you can really shake it up. No, I mean, almost never any other time does any NHL team actually do that. But these are the times when you actually do that. So if he isn't thinking the way he's talking, then I don't know what to think. Because he acts the way he's talking. He, he acts... Like he's reacting to the fact that they've won four out of five or five out of six, I guess it is, and that that is going to propel them to something. And when he talked about to us the last time, whether you know he's surprised that this team isn't better, he talked about certain players that he thought he'd get more goals from. Like that was more fundamental. Like that was right there. So I have to think that he is thinking this way. And I don't know if his job depends on it. I mean, if his job depended on it, I'm if mine did. If I'm in that position, I might do a lot more than I than he did today. I, I don't know. Like maybe there's a limit to what you can get away with in that, because I also don't know if this really affects their uh, their next twenty games very much. Yeah, he, he either has been told a little bit more confidence than maybe we think he has, which is why maybe he was a little more conservative today than we thought, or he is doing what you said he's truly thinking well these will be you know some short two moves that can help us kind of push us in here and i just i just don't see it how well they've won four out of five so that must mean that all of a sudden everything's fixed like yes in this four out of five stretch it has looked good for for a decent amount of it but we've also got a 60 game sample plus here to look at to show that there are just so many more holes and so many more areas that should have been addressed. I guess if I'm him from the outside looking in here thinking I've got to really show that I'm capable of making that, Bulldog, you're calling it the, the big move or the hockey move, like I have to show that I'm capable of it because the last time that I tried to do it with St. Louis, I failed miserably. Just to correct you, it is five out of six now. 
with uh, with yesterday's win that they won. Because they don't, the lone loss being that Ottawa game uh, last Tuesday. That's right. Um, and six out of eight, if you want to even back up to uh, the Ranger road win, uh, which was a couple Fridays ago now. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's it's become here. If you go all the way back to there, it's maybe their second best stretch of the season. You know, with with the, with the season opening stretch, and then when they hit the skids early, they kind of righted the ship. But even then, I don't know that they won five of six or six of eight. Um, so they've they have gotten hot at a time that if Bottrell is keeping a small picture in the window, uh, that he would have been and maybe clearly was tempted to do something. Uh, to affect what he thinks is this stretch run they're about to go on or are already started, uh, as opposed to just selling off everything that's not nailed down. And they're staring a much tougher task in the face here. I thought February was the, their easiest month of the season with how jammed in the early two and a half months were with the Sweden trip and the time off in front of it and behind it. Then they had, I thought, some tough road trips February was the time coming in here where we saw, you know, Ottawa twice, Montreal, Detroit twice, Anaheim, and a ton of home games. So if there was ground to be made up, it was there. They did on the back end of it kind of get themselves back into a little better of a spot. Uh, but now coming up here, I mean, this is going to be tough. They obviously got smoked by Colorado earlier in the month. They've got to play there. I think they're one of the best teams in the league right now, how they're playing. Vegas, Arizona, I mean, these are – teams that are obviously having playoff spots of their own, if not maybe even winning their own division in the Pacific with how tight it is. So Mm -hmm. now they go through and take three of four on this next West trip. Well, maybe then you can really start to think that, you know, that they are actually in it. And maybe if, if Simmons comes through and does some things here uh, along the way that, you know, these new players they just acquired, maybe something like this, uh, what Bottrell's saying could have an impact. I just, I just with him, I just still can't get over the fact that he still hasn't either wanted to own up at least publicly of the fact of what are the major issues with this team, and feel like he's kind of just picking at a scab. He's not really trying to really heal the big solution here. One of the games you mentioned Friday night in Las Vegas, maybe it's Robin Leonard, and that is easily my favorite move of today. Vegas trading for Robin Leonard. I think that is a power move. With Marc Andre Fleury there, who went to the finals with them two years ago, they they crush it in possession, but their shooting percentage is raunchy. I mean, really bad. They should be dominant, and that division, if not conference, is open. So how do you like that? They go and get Leonard. Maybe the Sabers will see him on uh, on Friday night. I'm excited for him and for that team. Brian, thanks for your time. Okay, guys, thanks. Our man Brian Koziel. Back from his trip to Florida, seeing some spring training baseball. Filled in for him the past week or so on the Sabres radio network. He was back at it yesterday. Sabres beat the Jets. I didn't even mention the fact they beat the Jets yesterday. I'm, I'm, it's kind of been buried since the uh, since the deadline today. A lot of stuff happening. A couple of former Sabres on the move. Tyler Ennis, Robin Leonard, etc. We'll uh, recap some of the deals that went on around the league uh, before we get out of here. Last call in the nightcap after this at 803-0550. This is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase for another minute or two here on WGR. 
A lot of stuff happened around the league today in the NHL trade deadline that we have not got to. One thing I do want to bring up before we get out of here. Robin Leonard going to Vegas could be a big deal. Vegas has been phenomenal this season. Their puck possession, their scoring chances, five on five, uh, the penalties drawn. Like you look at almost anything, Vegas is one of the good teams in the league, and I think they're the best team in the Pacific. That's why I'm betting on them to win the cup. Um, they've not gotten saves. They have not gotten saves. Malcolm Subban gone now was their backup. Played really bad, below a 900 save percentage, I believe. And Mark Andre Fleury has not had a very good season at all either. This has kind of been. Fleury's M.O. in his career is he'll have two really good seasons and then he'll have one stinker. And that's kind of what he's in the midst of right now. He's only at a 9.06 save percentage, not giving them a whole lot. And they just add Robin Leonard, who is near the top of the league in save percentage, has really been one of the better goaltenders going back to when the Sabres got him. If you really accumulate his numbers and look at his production, since 2015, he's one of the best goalies in hockey. And this year's been no different. 918 save percentage, uh, 16, 10, and 5 for a bad Blackhawks team. And he's right in the prime of his career at 28, coming off a Vesna nomination, a Masterton trophy, a Jennings trophy. And I think you put him on Vegas. And I would argue he should now start over Marc Andre Fleury. Throw the money aside. Throw the, the always Marc-Andre Fleury face of the fa- franchise aside for a little bit too. Who's the best goaltender on your team? Because at the moment, it is absolutely Robin Leonard for Vegas. So I want this bet to happen because I bet on him. I want it to go through. I want them to win. And I think the best chance for them to win would be Robin Leonard, who I still will defend his time here in Buffalo. I thought he was a very good starting goaltender uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. Underappreciated because of the price it was paid to get him. All right, that's going to do it for me tonight on the show. I will have a full nightcap for you tomorrow as well. And then Wednesday, we'll have Sabres pregame in this time slot, getting you ready for Sabres and Avalanche, their next game, Wednesday at 8 o'clock. ESPN Radio on the way next. You can check the whole show as well as show up in the Bulldog, Howard and Jeremy, and extended instigators as well at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. Have a good night. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.